So, a guy walks into a tavern, a drifter, and he sits down at the bar, and the barkeep says, what do you have? And the guy says, well, I don't have any money, but if, you know, I can, I can entertain you, and if you give me a bottle of whiskey. And the barkeep says, well, I have to see the entertainment before I can offer you a bottle of whiskey, so here's a shot, and we'll see if, you know, we'll see how... How it goes as far as getting you get in the bottle, and so the so you know the drifter takes the shot, reaches into his vest pocket, and he pulls out a foot tall man and a piano. The tiny guy sits down at the tiny piano and he starts playing Camp Town Races. Does a great job at it, and the barkeep, you know, claps. He's astonished. He hands the he hands the guy the bottle of whiskey, and he says, "Where'd you get that?" And, or, or he, I'm sorry, he says, I'll give you a thousand dollars for that little, for that little guy in the, in the tiny piano. And the guy goes, no, he's not for sale, but, you know, I have this magic lamp here where I got it. You know, if you, if you rub the lamp, it'll, you can get one wish. You give me a hundred bucks, you can, you can rub the lamp and get your wish. And so the bartender hands him a hundred dollars, rubs the lamp, genie pops out, and the barkeep says... I'd like a million bucks and poof all of a sudden the bar is filled with all the ducks you can you could imagine you know they're, they're all over the bar they're outside the bar they're all over the town basically a million ducks and the barkeep looks at the genie and says what are you deaf I said a million bucks not a million ducks and the drifter looks at the barkeep and says come on brother you really think I asked for a 12-inch pianist? Welcome to Kingdom of Honor. This is your host, Zan Manchin Sabunia, along with my good buddy, Honorable Jeff. My point in telling that story is, first of all, I love a good story joke. But secondly, it's a lot like watching WWE, isn't it? You know, if you, if you turn into WWE expecting to watch professional wrestling, you're going to get something close to it, but not quite the same. And unfortunately, more and more... I feel like we get the exact same thing watching NXT, even on the takeovers, as we do, you know, as as what WWE offers as opposed to actual professional wrestling. Hi, how are you? Uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I just, That's unusual. Um, guys, if you're air. if you're listening, well, because we started late, so I didn't get to ask you that before the. So this is really great. So, you know, we're less than five minutes into the show and we're already having connection issues. This is just fantastic. Are you there, good sir? Well, hopefully you're, you know, you're still out there listening. You know, I, I, I've lost Jeff for some reason. Still shows me call active, but I can't hear him. Um... You know, so, you know, thank you for listening here on LOP Radio. Hopefully you can still listen here on YouTube. You can also, you know, you, you can reach 
Well, now I lost him, lost him completely. So let me try to get Jeff, Jeff back here. In the meantime, in between time, again, thank you for thank you for joining us here on LP Radio, here on Kingdom of Honor. You know, you can reach Jeff at Cope on Twitter, which is R-E-E-J-E-C-O-A-P. You can reach me at Zanman, L-O-P. And you probably hear it ringing in the background as we're trying to get Jeff back on the air with us. You know, when things go bad, they just seem to keep going bad. Indeed. So, so there's just, that. Just, I was, but... as, as I was trying to get you back on the air, I was just giving everybody our Twitter handles so we can skip that part later on in the show, possibly. Um, so possibly, we'll see. We'll see. But I don't know where I don't know where I cut out. Um, you cut out as soon as you started but, talking. Um, again, thanks for the. T- oh, did I really? Yeah. Wonderful. So, well, if you guys we're live, we're live on Spreaker. We're live on uh, Lords of Pain Radio, PainRadio.net. We're also live on um, uh, on YouTube. If you are listening to us on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, ring the notification bell. And I swear to you, if I go offline again, I'm gonna lose my. No. Okay. Good. Um, so yeah, go ahead and hit those buttons because we are live at least twice a week with Kingdom of Honor on Tuesday and on uh, uh, Wednesdays after AEW Dynamite with Dynamite After Dark. And then this week, we were live yesterday and we'll be live again tomorrow discussing um, Watchmen. So now I got that out of the way. Now wait, for the... Wait, wait, wait. For the, we're discussing Watchmen tomorrow? No, not tomorrow. Okay. I got confused. I Last week. Okay. Oh, and yesterday and then next week. So, um, but yeah, it... This was not a very good show. It just really wasn't. I it there were two excellent matches. There was a third that was on its way to an excellent match until it got way overbooked at the end. Um a heel turn, which I don't it's really a heel turn because trying to do something that we've already seen, but I think they're trying to do it because they think they have a new audience. I don't know. It was just and then screaming and yelling from the announcers, it just it's not good. What happened to the NXT that we love so much? It's being WWEized. <clears throat> oh, it's terrible. It's really, really bad. It really is. And you know, I, I don't know if we're going to agree on on the excellent status of the matches, but I, but you know, let's, let's, so let's you know, let's talk about the one you I think you were just talking about. So I watched the main event of Takeover Portland, and um, I was watching it. I wish. And I was, and I was, and and it started off, and I was like, "This feels a lot like The Rock versus Triple H, you know, just you know the outside, yep. the outside stuff going on, you know, the, the brawling, and and you know, not necessarily in a in a bad way, not necessarily in a good way either. Just kind of like it felt like it had like a retro feel to it, and and it was, you know, and it was and it was good, and then and then they kind of rolled it into the ring, and and you know, they had the NXT style going for a while, but then it just, like you said, it just it just it never really got into a gear that I could really appreciate it at. I mean, I think they tried to, um, you know, I think they tried to blend this up all together, but I'm not sure that it worked quite. And then, you know, we get the overbook stuff at the end where once again, you know, Adam Cole can only beat somebody if the entire Undisputed Era helps him. And now on top of that, right. not just the Undisputed Era, because, because that's what it took for him to, for him to be able to overcome Johnny Gargano, right? Um, 
No, right, in this right. case, it has to be Johnny Gargano himself, actually, is the guy that, that finishes off Tommaso Ciampa. And I realize that... these guys got their WrestleMania weekend feud or match robbed from them last year, and so they're probably trying to do make it do a make good with it. But at the same time, so all of a sudden, after having a fantastic tag match against Mustache Mountain less than a month ago, these guys are going to be at odds again just because from some who knows what the hell reason. Because they, because they need, need to overbook WrestleMania. That's literally all it is. They need to get everybody in what they feel is the hottest feuds. But the problem is, is this feud isn't hot anymore. There's no way they're going to get this feud anywhere near the level that it was um, two years ago. And we have a, I mean, it, it was it was the feud of the year. It was probably one of the best feuds of all time. The first time when it turned on him, you had over a year of booking to make it one of the hottest feuds ever. Of is Johnny going to turn heel? He can't win the big one without Champa. Blah blah blah. They're tag teams. They have the making of another great blow off. Since Champa has been back, and Champa's not the evil he was when he left, he's not. The feud is just not going to have the same fire because you can't. This feud, Johnny is the good guy. Johnny will always be the good guy. He's the one with grit and heart and determination and the uh, you know the part of NXT and all this stuff. Now you to position where he's now going to be the heel. Is anybody going to cheer against him against Tommaso Ciampa? Against Aleister Black, yes, people would have cheered against him. Against Ricochet, yes, but not against Ciampa. And and that's the thing you're saying. Ciampa isn't a baby face. He's a tweener. He's an anti-hero. But the crowd is the crowd loves him. You know, the crowd chants "Daddy" for him. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he he is the crowd's daddy. Or I get a crazy way to put it. You know, there, I, I don't right. see this at all. And, you know, Gargano all of a sudden is just going to, you know, after, after, you know, having the friend stuff going on and, you know, Champa being pissed off at Balor for taking away months of his career and taking away his takeover streak. And now all of a sudden, so Champa's, so now Gargano's going to turn on Champa. I don't buy it at all. There's no, it's, it's there's no really reason for it. To try to try to get me to to believe it, and now in a month, like you said, in a month and a half, they're supposed to build up the heat that they had for that they had going into last year's WrestleMania. I just don't think it's going to work. I mean, when Champa originally turned on Johnny, it was one of the most despicable things anybody's ever done, and he was rightfully the biggest villain in wrestling at the time. When Johnny turned on Champa last year. Um, during, it was right before this time, wasn't it? Cause it was his neck injury happened around, uh, and then Johnny turned on him yeah, and they blamed the neck in injury December, on Johnny. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was right around this time, like February ish. Cause they were supposed to have their big, their big match at WrestleMania weekend that ended up going to, uh, um, Cole and, and Johnny for the vacant title. But they, um, you know, even then when Johnny turned on him, it was still there was still enough heat left because of a year and a half long story. This time around, it's now we're now a year, year removed from that. We've had nothing since October except those two being friends. There was no rhyme or reason to this. There was nothing, and the way that the uh, announcers, especially Ronaldo, tried to as soon as Johnny grabbed the belt, he's like, "Oh, wait a minute, these guys don't like each other." Say, wait, shut up. Just shut up. This makes no sense. And then to have to have the fact that he battled through 
everything he went through, everything he went through. And, um, Johnny hits him with the belt. So that keeps him down. You know, and it's not, I mean, I could, I could, they can explain it in a way if, if Johnny had gotten, jumped up in the ring and was standing, you know, in front of Ciampa looking like he was going to hit Cole. And then the last second he turned around, then yeah, okay, Ciampa could have blocked. But Ciampa was literally standing at Johnny expecting to get hit. And when he does that, knocks him off the three count after everything else he'd been through. It just, it was horribly booked. It was a horrible turn. There was nothing good about it. I, it, I just, I did not, the, the ending of NXT, and I didn't understand because I didn't watch it until later, but when you sent to me a text as soon as it ended saying they just jumped the shark, I saw it today and I'm like, oh yeah, they did. That was just well, bad. Well, just I said bad jumped the shark was, a, was actually when Cole hit the, uh, the uh, Panama Sunrise on the outside or, and then he hit the... Um, the running knee strike in the back of the head on the on the inside, and then Champa kicked out. I was like, nope, jump the shark. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, what you're, Ch- what you're Champa can kick out of that, but he can't kick out of a little tiny smack to the head by a by a gold belt. And honestly, like if Gargano was going to turn on him, wouldn't it make a lot more sense to do the way that Kevin Steen did, Kevin Owens did to to Sami Zayn? You know, Champa overcomes everything, gets the title. Maybe Gargano even helps him get the title, and then Gargano comes in and just punks out Champa at that point, setting up a title feud between the two of them, with Gargano as the challenger again, but this time, you know, as the bad guy because he's ruined Champa's moment. You know, I I I really well, don't and- understand, you know, why you would why you would want to to you know to rob him of winning the championship when you can have when you get yourself a shot at being the champion again. And that's explainable. That's something where I could buy into him because that he could beat him for the title last year, and he got and Johnny got robbed of that of that of that goal, you know. And for Champa to get his, get his rightful belt back because he never lost it, and then Johnny to turn on him to set up that Wrestle Kingdom or that WrestleMania weekend moment. Um, and actually have Johnny go over at that moment to become, you know, the dirtbag champion or whatever, that all would have made sense. This doesn't, because what are they fighting for now? They're not fighting for the title. They're not even really fighting for pride because they were just best friends a week ago. Yeah, and how could they... they, We've been talking... Right, where did this vitriol come from, from Gargano? You know I mean? I mean, yeah, we we could see here why, you know, why Champa might be confused and angry and pissed off maybe even hate gargano at this point for, for taking away goldie again but where does it right. come where does it where did this turn come from gargano this is what we we talked about with mjf and then you know having a, a bad unexplainable heel turn you know granted we saw mjf's coming for months and months but in all reality there really wasn't a reason for him to turn he just did it you know, and even now, even in all of his explanations, and, 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 there's and, and, never and, been. And I will still say he never turned. <clears throat> no, because he was always a slimy heel. But and I and I get your point. But the reality is, is that we've never just we've never really gotten a reason for it. Um, and I don't feel like we're ever going to get a reason for it again. I, as far as heel turns go, this was terrible. This was right up there with how bad I thought that one was. But 
you know, and then we saw how to do a heel turn recently in NXT with Dakota Kai. You know, so I don't understand how they can get it so right with Dakota Kai and so wrong with Johnny Gargano. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can say about, you know, this heel turn is at least he didn't bite the back of Champa's neck. Thank God. Yeah, we had, <laughs> we had enough of that this week. <laughs> you know, and then it, we're also looking at and you know, as long as we're still on negatives, that was a negative. I, and the other, I, I thought the women's match was terrible. Not the street fight, the other one, Bel Air and, and um, Rhea Ripley. Again, terrible, I thought it was, but it was. But it was a mediocre with an ending that came out of nowhere. <laughs> well, that's just it. It was, it was. It's a match based on two power people who are not using their power, but are using it. It was just, it was, it was a weird bit of storytelling. Um, there was another match too, where the storytelling just didn't make any sense that I literally just watched. I can't, was it that tag match? I fucking hated on NXT. That match. I hated it. Where they, I the, hated the tag it. match. The tag yeah. match in NXT where they just, you know, and I'm, it was a terrible match, first of all. The storytelling was absolutely brutal. What was the point of constantly having miscues by Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne if there was not going to be a payoff or have that even factor into anything that happened in the match? Right. They consistently had they consistently had miscues, but nothing came of it, and they still overcame the odds and won the titles. It just the amount of miscues wait, wait, that they wait, had. Wait, did they did they overcome the odds? Because no, they know, did because it was lackluster to begin with. Because in my opinion, you know, Red Dragon is the best tag team in the, on the planet. You know, we've gone over right. this. They're my favorite tag team. You know, I think you know they're, they're one of the greatest tag teams in the last ten years. I think they're absolutely phenomenal together. And they're great, and they've been dominant tag team champions in NXT. But if you watch this match, did you see any of that? No. There you were saw... there were a few there were a few moments where they kind of shone, but very 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 few, and nothing like it should have been. I we At started least the match five with times Pete Dunne or Matt Riddle completely dominated Red Dragon. Yeah, not the, not I mean, them the... combined. But one or the other, like it would be a situation where st- Red Dragon had them had, you know, the, the corner had the ring cut off and they were double teaming. But yet one of these two superheroes was able to completely fight off two of the greatest technical wrestlers on the planet. I just it start I, it's, you know, as, it started as, off as, with as one of fa- you <laughs> as a fan of indie wrestling for years, as a fan of Red Dragon for years, following their careers, even following just their time in NXT, the match was completely unbelievable to me. This takeover, and I'll, I'm going to get back to my point here, but this takeover proved to me why we made the right decision in following AEW. And don't get me wrong, AEW does have some um, downfalls when it's coming to their weekly television, but in all reality... AEW is still giving us fantastic wrestling matches every single week. Um, and, you know, we'll get to more of that later. But this match was earmarked as being dog shit from the moment that they rode out in their little um, golf cart and stood up and started talking about frying fish. And a bit that just went on way, way, way too long. 
made absolutely no sense. That's not the Matt Riddle that we've come to know. I mean, yeah, he's during this little tag team run, they've they've played the um, you know, Pete Dunn being the straight man and and you know, uh um Riddle being the dumbass and they've kind of played off each other and it's been it's been humorous. But that little corny shtick is something that will was rock circa 1996 before he became actually good on the mic. It was also, terrible and got the whole the whole match into a bad mood. Yeah, also, you know, what have we talked about a couple of times over the last few months when we see somebody get ridiculed like that, you know, they should be the guys that somehow find a way to win the match. And instead, you know, Red Dragon, you know, Bobby, Bobby Fish got completely ridiculed and his team, you know, like you said, there was those miscues in the match between the other team. You know, there obviously wasn't the synchronicity. And yet somehow the two disparate wrestlers who made fun of the other team find a way to win. You know, and I, and I get I, it. I, I, I get I, it. I don't I don't know when Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly have come off looking so bad since they joined NXT since they joined NXT like two and a half years ago. You know, it's it's they, just they haven't. It, it's just it this, was ridiculous. This is the worst they've ever looked. It, absolute worst. It was it was terrible, absolutely terrible. And they they looked for and it almost felt like and you know now I'm going to get on the other real hatred part of this entire card, but it almost looked like Morrow was spending so much time building the, up them and their credentials. Oh, they've been a tag team for 10 year, ten over 10 years. And they've been one of the most decorated tag teams and in, in wrestling and, and you know, all this stuff talking about their new Japan and, and all that. It almost felt like he was doing that. Cause I've never heard them really talk about, I mean, they have briefly, they brought it up about how they've been a tag team forever, but not like this. Mm-hmm. It was almost like he was trying to oversell how great Red Dragon is to make the other two look better because they beat him. Yeah. And, you know, and, what, what have we said over the all, over and over? You know, tell us, you know, show us, don't tell us. Right. And instead... Um, yeah, and... And and so instead they decide to tell us that and and yet and they're you know, they're showing us Red Dragon looking like complete jokes against Riddle and or Dunn. If they had talked about Red Dragon uh, like that in all of their matches, talking about how great they are together, their chemistry, how they've been together and partners forever, and so on and so on, I would have been a little more okay with the amount of talking about they did in this match, but it just felt like they were force feeding us how great these guys are. Um, you know, and then, you know, to get on the absolute worst thing that is making it so, so hard for me to watch NXT is Mauro Ronaldo. Oh my God. I swear to God, there was that one, there was one point where if I had heard him scream mama Mia one more time, I was going to shut off my TV and never watch the, never watch NXT again. His feigned enthusiasm, where he forces his his references, the the like at one point he called out Barry Horowitz. You know, it's like just Morrow, calm the fuck down and stop talking. 
just stop talking. Yeah, that that was actually when um, Nigel McGuinness turned it around on Dune and Riddell and said, how many yeah, legs yep. could Bobby Fish break if Bobby Fish could break legs? Right. And then... And I, then, I uh, love the fact... I. I love the fact too. Uh, sorry to cut in here, but I love the fact that after Morrow made his screw up with the um, by referring, he he's he's what caused Nigel to start calling Pete Dune because mm-hmm. he made some stupid reference that made absolutely no sense, and I, I think Nigel picked up on it and was just trying to make fun of him by calling him Pete Dune for how long? I, he did it for what good two three minutes. Called him Pete Dune. Until Morrow had to jump on him and say, no, Nigel, it's done, not Dune. Well, I know you haven't been following NXT, really, but, you know, actually, that's something that the Undisputed Era have been doing, too, is calling them Dune and Riddell. Oh, has he? Okay. All right. That makes sense, too. But there was, I, I, there was one, like, he made, a, he made a movie reference to the movie Dune, and it was kind of a off, just, it stuck out because it was so just not supposed to be there. And as soon as he did it, that was when Nigel started calling him Dune too. And honestly, one should never. So I laugh. One should never reference the movie Dune. (laughs) Ever, ever. (laughs) And when, when Morrow did it, I, and I don't even know for sure if he did it, but he started talking about the spices on the mountain. And that was a, that was a Dune reference. So let's talk about an actual good match on this show. A match that I thought, you know, I thought th- was heading was heading into remarkable territory, and that is the best Johnny Gargano match we've seen in months, and maybe the best Finn Balor match we've ever seen. Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano. Oh, it was the best Finn Balor match ever. Finn Balor match ever. Well, his match against I, Samoa from what Joe, I, especially in his WWE, it was really good too. That's why I said I'm not sure. You know, it's one of the one of them for sure. So. I I think. From the moment he signed with NXT, I felt like this was his the best match I've seen him have. Yes, that Samoa Joe match was amazing, but I'd never felt like it was on the level that this one was. This this one and and a lot of that give credit to Johnny too because Johnny Johnny plays so good at the, is so good at playing that um, come from behind. He's basically playing the old Finn Balor role because <laughs> that was Finn Balor when he was originally with NXT. Yeah, it's just, it's just that Johnny fits more comfortably into that role than Balor ever did. Because so, Johnny has an actual right. personality that's that shiny but through I, as a baby face, whereas Balor is much better in the heel role. Yeah, and he, he always has been back to his Bullet Club days. He's never been a good... He doesn't have that... He's got resting bitch face, and you can't be a baby face and have resting bitch face. You just Correct. can't. Correct. Um, but I... I I felt like that. I felt like that might have been the best match on the night. It's a toss-up though, because that opening match was amazing too. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but yeah, Balor and Gargano. I felt like they both were the best versions of each other. You know, Gargano. You know, my my problem with Gargano over the, over the last years, you know, excluding the Champa feud, has just been you know way too much finisher kickout overkill. Um, too many quote unquote false finishes where as in this one, it was just to me like a perfect blend of, of his counter wrestling with the aggression of Finn Balor's new character. And I felt it was just a, just a, a really remarkable special wrestling match between the two of them. 
complete with, you know, with Gargano's heart and determination and his never say die attitude getting killed by the shotgun dropkick into the barricade. Because once that happened, he was dead. Yeah. And you know, I guess that, you know that might be something he brings up this coming you know, this coming Wednesday tomorrow night. I suppose on NXT is you know he fought back from the injury. He came back to get revenge on Balor, and he failed. And now he needs to get his revenge yeah, on somebody and, else. You know. And see, that's that's where I another reason why I feel like his move on Champa was ill timed because the story with him and Balor is not over yet. Not until he gets his victory. You know, you know, and they have so much more, so so many more places they could go with that story. You know, with Ballard just dogging him for for you know taking the loss that he's really not up to his level, and Johnny being Johnny and fighting back and and eventually getting his win. That's another reason why this turn on Champa makes no sense because now you shut down what could be a great promo and could actually make uh, Finn Ballard, you know, the the star that everybody already seems to think he is. And they just literally shut it down for nothing. Now, where does Balor go? Well, I thought it was you going know, to gonna... You know, it's going to be Balor against Cole at TakeOver Tampa. Ugh, I hate it. I do too, because it's an Absolutely anti-hero it. against an anti-hero. I mean, Cole should be, a, should be a heel, but the crowd cheers him like he's a baby face. And he's got that fighting No, all undisputed eras. Right, but but he, but he's also got you know, but he also has shown that fighting spirit, you know, where he's willing to fight anybody. So you know, what is it really to, to boo about Adam Cole than his attitude? Right, and that's you know, he's he all of undisputed era is that same way. They're just all anti-heroes, and they always have been, or they have been at least since Roderick Strong joined them. Um, and and, and I said, but I don't know. And I said this in in 2016 about Adam Cole is. You know, he can never be a true heel because what does he do every time he comes out there? The Adam Cole baby and right. the boom when in the middle of their song. And, you know, they, they've got so many chant along um, crowd pleasing moments in their entrances and their theme music and their just little things they do in the ring that it's they re, they remind me a lot of LIJ. And if you want to even go back further, DX. Where they've just they've got there's so much to like about them that even though they're heels, you still find yourself cheering for them. Yeah, speaking speaking of their of their kind uh, of crowd pleasing antics, I I uh, I laughed out loud actually when when uh, the double stomp to the hands happened to Kyle O'Reilly and Beth Phoenix said, "Oh no, his air his yep. air guitar career is over." <laughs> yeah, that's that people have to. <laughs> The the one thing that there was another part of that match. You just brought up another part. The match where he stomped on um, Bobby Fish's hands, and then went to kick him and straight kicked the ring post. Um, don't you think that would have, I don't know, maybe made him limp for a little bit? I did not like the no selling in this, in this um, anywhere on this card except for the first match. But even in Johnny's match, the no selling really stuck out because John—that's one thing that Johnny's been good at ever since you know his entire career. Since I first started watching him before he joined, started DIY, was his selling was always impeccable. And even this match against Finn Balor—that's my only real negative about it, and the only thing keeping it from being a five 
star match is the fact that Johnny's leg was supposedly basically broken, yet after that initial leg spot, he really shook it off and was flying and running around the ring like nothing was bothering him. He didn't show one single part the rest of the match about his leg being a problem. Yeah, you and I had Matt Hardy, I'm sorry, Matt Jackson as our wrestler of the year for for 2018. But we also saw an incredible cell performance by his brother at Dominion 2018. When he right. when he did a similar move to what Pete Dun, Pete uh, Dunn did, with, you know, kicking the ring post and LIJ working that over for the rest of the match. So I would recommend that Pete Dunn and Johnny Gargano go back and watch that incredible tag match from Dominion 2018 and watch Matt ja- watch Nick Jackson, who according to critics out there has no psychology, show them right. how to sell a leg injury. Well, but here's okay now is that um on them or is that on the WWE style booking because these are two guys who know how to sell it's what's made them two of my favorites over the last you know 3 or 4 years Pete Dunne and and Johnny Gargano have basically lived and di- died by their selling prowess and for both of these guys who have just been incredible you know Best, best in the world type wrestlers of the last couple of years to just all of a sudden forget to sell on the same show. I think I'm starting I think to wonder if that's, selling, if that's you know more exhaustion booking. and fatigue and being down. I don't know that they're that they're necessarily fantastic at selling a, spe- a specific body part being injured. Well, they've done it before. That's all I'm saying is, and for both of them to just not even bother with it in this card makes me wonder if it was more the bookers. Um, overbooking the matches because this or this show was story. not an NXT. So are you suggesting this, this show is, was this not like a, NXT? A house. So. <laughs> we keep talking over each other tonight. We must have like bad timing here, uh, or a little bit of a delay. But um, I, are you, sorry, uh, are you dude, suggesting I'm that having, that the yeah, no selling aspect is kind of a house style that NXT is promoting these days? I think it's a WWE style that's been going on for dec- for almost two decades, and I think that that WWE style has now moved down to NXT because NXT is becoming a brand and not a performance center anymore. I think Triple H has doesn't have his hands in it as much as everyone was hoping he still would, and they're starting to overbook matches. This was the worst book uh, show I've seen by NXT ever. You mean you mean like how there was another remarkable match on this card between two women who were beating the hell out of each other, and yet it gets ended by somebody we'd never even heard of before, and who nobody, even the two wrestlers, knew why she was there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I loved that match. It, I mean, you know, I, I, it, but but the ending of it, you know, like you said, like the no selling in this one, taken away from being a five star match, the finish to the women's street fight. Would have me going, what? Huh? What? And Dakota Kai saying exactly the same thing, and the announcers and all was, saying the same thing, made me go, okay, that was a five-star match until you did that. Well, and not just that, but here's another match where somebody has waited now for months and months and months <clears throat> to get their revenge, and what happens? They didn't get their revenge. So in back-to-back revenge grudge matches the person that should have gotten the win didn't and why 
I oh, you know what? They Speaking pretty much match, ended the. That's another match that that Dunn and Gargano can watch to see how to sell a leg injury. Right, exactly, because <laughs> yeah, they both sold those leg injuries. <laughs> yeah, they but they both sold the hell out of that, those. I mean, I mean, um, I but really I mean, there too. It's like, but it's it, it, it's. I mean, there too. Now you've got we've got two matches with no definitive ending one of them they've just kind of washed under the rug and they're moving on to a different story the other one i don't know what's going on does dakota kai have backup now and if she does why she never needed back backup it was still just between her and tegan it just it made no sense well, there was another ending that just backup, made no sense at the same time she has the entire women's division hating her you know it's been you know you know she's had well yeah said, rightfully so she Right, rightfully so, but I mean, she's had uh, Tegan Knox and uh, Johnny Gargano's wife, can't think of her name at the moment, um, Candice LeRae, LeRae. Um, and Mia Yim all gunning for her. So, you know, three out of the four members of that of that uh, team have all been gunning for her. So now, you know, you know a little bit of back of the kind of welcome on her part. But maybe she should have, um, I don't know, to make the story make a little more sense, maybe she should have recruited the backup instead of having just somebody who, who nobody knows anything about just show up and, oh, we now know her because the announcer said her name. Yeah, and apparently she was, on, she was in one of the women's May Young classics. or May Young classic, yeah. And, and I've neither, but I've never watched I, either I don't of those, know. So, you know, who knows? Um, and I, I don't, I don't know this lady. I, I have no clue who she is. Yeah, me neither. I guess we'll find out. No clue at all. But <laughs> I hope. No, I won't. I won't be finding out. I'm not watching another another second of NXT until, until unless they can sell the hell out of um, WrestleMania weekend. This might have been my final straw on NXT. Because that was the one thing, the one thing that was keeping me an NXT fan was the fact that they were not going down this WWE style of overbooking everything and making nothing make sense. And not only did they do that in in every single match, except for the first one, but in every single match, they overbooked the hell out of everything. They took the best parts of my favorite wrestlers and just kind of swept them under the rug. So now they're not even doing what I've fallen, fallen in love with them for doing. And we had to listen to Mauro Ronaldo and Beth Phoenix scream over each other for two and a half, three hours. Cause they also went away from their normal NXT formula, formula five matches and threw six on here and made it a three hour show. Right. Because now it's a big brand. So for three Sunday hours, I had to listen Saturday nights. Yeah, you know, they they took everything that I loved about NXT, added two people who love to scream and hear their voices, and now it's just unwatchable garbage to me. Which is sad because I, it was a brand that I really loved, and and some of my favorite wrestlers are in it: Dunn, Gargano, Ciampa, Cole, Red Dragon, Roderick Strong. I mean, these are Shayna Baszler. These are my favorite wrestlers on the planet. And they just literally took these people away from me. It feels a lot like what WWE did to AJ Styles and made it so that I couldn't watch him anymore either. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, this is kind of a rough shift for you, but but I mean, I think that, I think that you know, it's been a gradual for me. Where even starting like with with the takeovers this past summer, 
I was starting to kind of sour on 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 what they've been doing. So, um, but I, once I, they I, hit, I, I, once they I hit definitely TV. think it's been more pronounced since they hit the network, since they hit USA Network. Yeah, once they hit TV, um, a weekly national TV, that's kind of when it started to go south. In the last two takeovers, it, which is weird because War Games was still so great. And I'm, I'm so afraid that they're going to end up doing this to NXT UK too. Yeah, they're already doing it. They're already planning another show. Well, even their April 26th, I think, is the next NXT UK takeover. Yeah, in Dublin. But even even when Worlds Collide was a fantastic show. I don't know how in less than a month they were able to screw it up, so now it's just not even slightly good anymore. Well... I would I would say it was slightly good. I, I think the show had three major negatives, and well, two major negatives, one negative. No, I'm, okay, two major negatives, one right in the middle, then three that were good. So I mean, it still overall is going to get a little bit of a thumbs up from me, but it still wasn't. I don't feel like I wasted three hours, but I do kind of feel like it wasn't the takeover quality I've... that we're used to. <clears throat> I felt like the first three matches were fantastic. I have nothing negative to say about the um, about the opening match. I thought Keith I Lee and, and Dominic, with the with the exception of <clears throat> some of their, um, with the exception of the announcers, I don't have anything negative to say about that. Um, I actually I felt like their no selling was perfect for the feud that they've had, and I love the fact that two people that spent fifteen twenty minutes no selling. It was Dijakovic selling his injury at the end that kind of cost him the match. I love um, that too, I, I, and, I, I, and, I st- and I've still got it in like the four and a quarter range. So it's not like I hated it, but right, you know, I, I you know, one thing I've this, I've said about NXT is that I feel like it's been too choreographed. And at the very beginning of this match, right. like the first five or six minutes, I kind of felt like these guys were just kind of going through the motions of the dance that were they were set, like they were moving kind of slowly. Everything was too precise. Everything was too, um, you know, okay, you go there, I go here, there. Go. And then once they got into the emotion of the match, once it got rolling and they got into the flow, it was absolutely, like you said, fantastic. It was just like that first few ma- few opening I, moments, I felt like it was just too scripted. I kind of chopped that up to, um, I don't want to say big stage jitters because really – these are two people that have been on that big stage, but they've never been in such a high profile profile match. And with the you know the two previous matches, they had a lot. Well, what three previous matches? They had a lot to live up to. So I, I kind of just blew that off as okay, we're just kind of getting into it. But once they got into it, I thought the match was amazing. I one thing about those two that I've always liked is that um, for two people that sell really well against others. They don't sell for each other and they just stand there and they take a beating. And I just, I love the psychology of, uh, at the ending when, you know, they spend this entire match, this entire match, no selling and no selling and no selling. Then all of a sudden he starts selling and that costs him the match. I just love that ending. The, uh, you know, Ronaldo and Beth Phoenix are pretty much the only thing that ruined that match for me. Otherwise I, I absolutely love that match. The women's match yeah, was yeah, you know, great. Well, Everything about it, I loved. I just, oh, just want to comment on the, ending, on the ending of the match too because I, I thought it was fantastic that you know, the, the, you know they're they're hitting each other with with the biggest bombs that they have, 
and Dijakovic's back has been injured through the, the course of this match. And, he, and, you know, he's hit him with everything else he has. He even hit him with a goddamn somersault, moonsault, twisting somersault, moonsault at the top. You know, you know, the, you know basically a, a uh, spiral tap from the top rope. But instead of landing in a, in a pinning formation, he can't finish off um, Lee. You know, he, he hits him with a DVD from the top rope. He still can't finish him off. And so finally he has to go to his finish. I mean, he has no other choice. And yet, you know, but, but, you know, going for that move, like you said, is what ends up costing him the match. So, you know, he can't get a victory without it, but he loses because of it. Just absolutely a fantastic right. way to finish the match. Yeah. I thought, I just thought it was great. And the women's match too was that would, like you said, that was on its five on the way to five star territory, even despite the horrible announcing, um, was, on its way to a five-star territory until that ending. The um, Balor, best Balor match I've ever seen. It was, it was up there as far as Johnny goes, but the whole no-selling of his leg for the last half of the match, that really hurt it. Uh, and then the last three matches were just so poorly done that I just... I mean, I, I loved... I loved Champa Cole for the first 15 minutes of it. And then it started to get so overbooked that I just couldn't, it, it was, it was hard to watch, tough to watch that, you know, the women's title match, there was just nothing I liked about it. Uh, and then that tag match was just an embarrassment from the moment Matt Riddle opened his mouth. You know, they, they talked about on the show, how, how phenomenal the women's division is in NXT. And I, and I have to agree with them. I mean, Sheena Baszler's moved on now, but you still got Rhea Ripley you still got Bianca Belair, who I know you hate, but is still very talented. Um, you know, you got Mia Yim. It's not that I hate her. I just, yeah. she's very talented. I, I respect respect her in ring ability. Her just her character doesn't click with me. You know, you got Candice LeRae. You got so I'd prefer Nash, to not. You got Dakota I Kai. Uh, why can't I think of the other? Why can't I think of what woman I called the AJ Styles of the women's division now? Um, uh, Yoshirai. Yeah, Yoshirai. Um, but I am so happy that, you know, the person that you and I hated won the Women's Royal Rumble. It no longer matters that she won the Women's Royal Rumble because now she's back in NXT. Nope. And the real person that should have won the Women's Royal, Women's Royal Rumble is going to get the Raw Women's title shot yes. at WrestleMania. Yeah, but it, I, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter because if they keep they keep putting out crap like this, like I'm sure I'll, I'll still, you know, I'm bitter about it now. But I know Joe, I'll 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 end up watching it and I'll end up hating now again. And um, it, but I'm not I'm not going out of my way for NXT anymore. You know, not like I not like I was. They've 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 kind of hit the back burner like Ring of Honor and and definitely like WWE has. I mean, WWE is not even on the stove anymore, but. NXT and Ring of Honor have really hit the back burners. They're I really just just not. Why they're even bothering doing a takeover Tampa? And the reason I say that is because um, don't you feel like they'd be much better off just following what um, what New Japan did this year and having a two day WrestleMania. Just splitting up, you know, splitting in the card between the NXT, SmackDown, and Raw stars on both shows. The funny part is, is they already have that time in just Wrestlemania. Wrestlemania alone last year pushed 
you know, they could they could just split what they already had and had in WrestleMania and make it a whole weekend. They could, but I'm but I'm saying And now the one thing I was afraid of. But what I'm what I was saying is, you know, they, you know, they could they could easily have two nights of WrestleMania, including the um the NXT brand, rather than um having you know, an NXT show and a WWE show. Right. Yeah, and I agree. I'd rather I'd much rather see that. At least maybe let's put three hours on one night, four hours on the next or something and but I'm just I'm I'm really scared for WrestleMania weekend. It's gonna end up being like a twenty hour show. <laughs> I with the way that with the way that they pushed everything in NXT and the, and what they're setting up and everything, I just I feel like um NXT takeover is gonna end up being a four to five hour show with pre show. And then of course we're gonna have the, you know, eight eight, nine hours of WrestleMania, probably closer to ten hours of WrestleMania. Well, at least we can skip the uh, Hall of Fame this year because neither of us, neither of us, is interested in seeing them induct a f- false version of the New World Order. Right. Oh, and Jesus Christ! Did did Mark Henry pay them, pay those announcers off or something? Did he like slip them something to say you've got to say my name no less than forty-seven times during this show? <laughs> I haven't heard Mark Henry's name mentioned that that much since the nineties. Did you catch that too? It seemed like every time they, every, everybody has Mark Henry had something to say about everybody, and it it, it was it was getting I, I just it was obnoxious. It was truly annoying. Well, I personally think that that uh, Mark Henry's obnoxious and annoying anyway. But you know, um, well, I I mean I I I liked him in the nineties. I loved his House of Pain gimmick. But uh, I don't know what the hell he did. If he slipped them money, or if, or if he got some direction, because isn't he a Hall of Famer this year? He's being inducted this year. Or something? No, he's a two-time Hall of Famer because he's in under the Nation too, isn't he? Uh, he's already a Hall of Famer. I don't think the Nation was ever nominated. Was ever inducted though, were they? I thought they were. I thought the um, well, they're calling Mark Henry a two-time nominee, uh, two-time Hall of Famer. How else could he get, could he have gotten in? Are they really calling him a two-time Hall of Famer? Yeah, they they said it multiple times. Well, I think he's both a powerlifting and a WWE Hall of Famer. I don't think he's a two-time WWE Hall of Famer, though. Okay, maybe that's it. But they kept calling him a two-time Hall of Famer. Oh, well, whatever. But the only the only, <laughs> the only other way, and and I don't I don't know if I'm not sure. I mean, outside of that three-year House of Pain run that he had. There's there's nothing that I would have given Mark Henry a Hall of Fame career for. He had a two to no. three year run on SmackDown but, during. But really, if you're former WWE champion, you should you should be inducted into the Hall of Fame at some point. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess I can see that. I just I don't know. I didn't never felt like he had. It's for me a Hall of Fame, and this goes for all sports. If you're not, and that's why I've never been a proponent for Mark McGuire to be in the Hall of Fame either, is because I just don't feel like, unless you were the best at your position at any given time during your career, that you um, should be considered a Hall of Famer. And I never felt like Mark Henry was the best part of any show. I felt like that House of Pain gimmick he had from was 06 to 09 was fantastic. But I'd never felt like he was the best part of even SmackDown, 
much less all of WWE at that time. So I, for me, I don't feel. But then again, I also don't feel like Coco Beware should be a Hall of Famer either. So no, but you know, it was fun to sit next to my wife and you know while we were actually at that Hall of Fame and have her laugh at Frankie pooping on the stage or on the uh, podium. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I guess I can see that then. <laughs> but no, yeah, I totally agree with you. But yeah, I mean, I, did not I don't know. JBL There's a lot of said, people JBL throughout that don't. I mean, I just Hall of Fame induction this year. This year, see there too. There's another guy who, as great a career as he had, you know, he was uh, he was. If you're going to tell me he was he, he was the only Smackdown part of the Bradshaws for his, for his run of, of the, with the title, then then you're out of your mind. He was the best part of SmackDown. Oh, I'll say he was. Oh yeah, he was. I, I'll give him that. That credit. I'll give him credit after he won the belt from Eddie, or did he win the belt from Eddie, or did Eddie win it from him? He won it from Eddie. Because Brock, yeah, because Brock left. They needed that top flight heel to um, take over SmackDown, and that ended up being JBL, who was lights out for a year and a half. And that match against Eddie was just—I still don't know how much blood Eddie lost that night. That is so weird for the new. Ah, uh, okay, for, I'll give him. Okay. You know, I don't understand why JBL would be inducted this year along with Batiste and the and the and the NWO. He should he should be inducted at some point in Texas or New York. You know, that's where you really you know those are his two kind of hometowns. I don't know why he'd be inducted in Tampa and kind of be like a third tier guy. Honest, you know, he because he was the, you know, for for years and years he had the record for being the SmackDown champion. You know, and if Batista is at that level of, of a Hall of Fame, then absolutely JBL should be because even during that was during Batista's rise on Raw, and JBL was the best part of SmackDown. It has also been reported that the British Bulldog, the Bella Twins, and Jushin Thunder Liger are expected to join the Hall of Fame class. <sighs> the Bella Twins. I. And Jushin. And Jushin's a Hall of Famer, but you ha in order to be in the WWE Hall of Fame, you should have wrestled at least a year in the WWE. Did Jushin even wrestle a match in the WWE ever? He did in NXT, but not in WWE proper. Yeah, he had one match in NXT. He might have had some dark matches in WWE. I think he probably did, actually. But, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't... I mean, it's... One year is kind of arbitrary. It's bad enough. <laughs> but, and, and it's they, bad and they enough that we're other um, guys that, that, never, that have never been in WWE ever that were you know less like in the forties and fifties. So yeah, which is another issue I have. But I whatever. We're talking WWE, and I just don't even want to. I'm so irritated at NXT right now that I can't even can't even function. What do we want to move on to AEW Dynamite? Yeah. I'll, Oh, uh, can we get off WWE? <laughs> I don't usually get off on WWE. Yes, we can move on. <laughs> uh, I don't know why anyone would. Um, you know, we, you and I talked about Dynamite, and again, I I don't understand why they save their backstage segments for the split screen commercial breaks. It may that makes no sense to me. I, I'm not a fan of um, going to commercial period, but 
I don't well, I want to tell them to go I didn't watch to commercial live. during I breaks. I on on the app, so I have no idea when they went to you know what they did during commercial breaks. After after um, Naya won the belt, um, they followed her backstage, and okay. she had conversations with um, basically the entire women's division. And then also with Kenny, and it looked like the conversation she was having with Kenny was something that we that we should have heard on the air. The air. Well, because Kenny's, uh, you know, training partner, whatever, had just gotten beat, and and she, you know, she, he went to shake her hand, and she just cut some kind of promo on him, and we couldn't hear it, so I have no clue what was said. That kind of sucks. And then coming out of that commercial break was when we don't we don't watch dark, but I wonder if they if they show any of that kind of stuff on dark, so that we see what what actually was transpired or continued, or you know what they what was actually said in those backstage segments. I mean, I know I know I've especially been really critical about them going to commercial break during um during matches, but I'm a little more okay with them going. It's better than. I would rather have have them do the split split screen during a match because then I can instill at least instill at least still enjoy the psychology of the match just by watching it in split screen. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I at least they're not going to a straight commercial break where we cut out the middle of the match and then come back and are like, well, what the hell just happened? So I'm, you know. If they're going to going to go to commercial and do the split screen, do it during the middle of a match. Don't do it or after a match when um, the young bucks are just playing around playing around with the crowd or you know something like that. Don't do it when somebody's cutting a promo. Stay live and go afterwards, or do a better job of timing your damn outs so that we can actually hear these backstage segments. Agreed. I mean, I think I think you know it's, it's have, kind of cool in a sense because we can kind of see them like go backstage and we see like you know what kind of looks around, look it looks like back there and you know them them walking around like interacting, but at the same time, you know, do something so we can so we know what so we can we can hear and see what's going on. We can hear what's going on as well as see what's going on. Them, them walking to the let's just say they did it this way. Nyla Rose, Rose, they follow her. She walks to the back. She, you know, walks to her locker. She sits down, puts a towel, towel over. Maybe some people come up and pat her on the back and they congratulate her. And you just see her saying thank you or whatever. That's fine. Do something like that. Don't have her cut promos because you're having her cut promos. And I'm assuming the um, the audience in the arena at least gets to hear her promos, but here we are, we are trying to build up this vision or just any of the majority of these wrestlers were trying to build up. I mean, outside of, you know, six, seven, maybe 10 of the, of the roster, the rest of these people really need to connect with the fans at home. The best way to do that is through their promo work. So when you are trying to get Nyla over as some, um, you know, cocky, just horrible, beast of a woman and you've got Ken, Kenny who is really kind of taken, you know, Pax promo itself kind of called out Kenny saying that he's, you know, he's not what he was. So when you're trying to get that stuff over, it makes it difficult when people can't hear what he's saying, what they're saying. 
Um, you know, another thing that, that I really, you know, I loved this episode of Dynamite. I, I really did. I thought it was fantastic. You know, one of the best ones they've done. But I do, but I do want to just, you know, comment on, on a negative that I had, which was simply that, you know, we saw a great tag team title match between the former champions and the current champions. And, you know, my complaint the previous week was, well, we just saw the Lucha Brothers pin the tag team champions. And yet it's the former champions that are getting the first title match. And I hate, you know, that automatic rematch thing anyway. But but now um, but now we're going to have them get the first title shot instead of the team that just beat them. Well, now they've set it up for next week, for this world tomorrow night now, the following week. Now the Witcher Brothers are getting their tag team title shot. Unfortunately, they're also doing a battle royal with all the other tag teams to decide who gets who gets a title shot at the next show. Why? They still have an undefeated number one contender team in um, the uh, PMP. So why are they not getting the next title shot instead of this battle royal to determine the champion? Which we know is going to be in the Young Bucks because of the story they've been telling with the Young Bucks and Hangman and Omega. So why? So I really don't understand this this whole thing. I mean, we we've talked about the rankings before. You know, you don't think they should have them at all. I kind of like the idea of having rankings, but I really want them to mean something. And I don't see how you're, when you're having a tag team battle royal pitching all the teams in the division that are not wrestling for the title the same night, how that really plays into the rankings whatsoever. Well, well, it's, you know, I've said it before. The rankings are dead to me as soon as they start doing fatal four ways in mini tournaments and battle Royals. The rankings, the rankings are, are you seeing their records? I don't know. I just lose you. Sound like you got unplugged there. I did. I'm back now. Did you get unplugged? I did get unplugged. <laughs> I, it just I, yeah. The, I mean, I, I I I love the um the overall ranking or not the overall rankings, but the records them showing their overall and their year to date records. I I like that. I like when those records kind of come into play. But I think the ranking system needs to go. And guys, guys, I know this has been a negative show, and a lot of it's because I'm pissed off at NXT. But um, AEW was fa- another fantastic show. Absolutely fantastic. We had great matches. We had great storytelling. Um, I had those two negatives, but that was it. I didn't even mind JR in this. But then again, I haven't been as critical of JR as you have. Um, I, With the exception of the their whole ranking system and the going to commercial break during backstage segments, I, I don't have – I did not have an issue with this show at all. I we even talked about the Jeff Cobb introduction. I was actually going to ask you about about the ending of the show because, you know, you had been critical about them ending some of their shows on segments, and technically, this show ended on a segment, but it preceded a really good match before it. So where did you where did you where did you well come down first of all on them ending the segment and secondly on on the segment that that it actually took place. I guess maybe I should clarify that. I didn't think, view this as a segment. A segment to me is when a guy has a microphone and he heads out for the ending of the show and they cut a promo and it ends up being some brawl or you know, some guy smash. That to me is a segment. Or like um, what happened last, or 
two weeks, two weeks ago with the, or was it last week? I don't, yeah, two weeks ago now with the whipping of Cody. To me, that was a segment. This was a match and its aftermath. Okay. So as far as I'm concerned, this was a match. And, and you and I have talked about this before that one thing we do miss about, um, the old 90s style wrestling is the ending of the night on some beat down in the ring on, on somebody. You know, the way the NWO used to come out and beat everybody up as they were going to commercial break or as they were, you know, they were ending the show. I don't have a problem with that at all. And as far as Jeff Cobb goes, now, do I think that maybe Jeff Cobb coming in as a baby face and helping Moxley would have been better idea? Yes, because right now we've got the inner circle and nobody opposing them. You know, a couple individuals, Dustin, you know, you've got... Um, Darby Allen, who you said has that match against Sammy and John Moxley, but otherwise it's the inner circle who's a faction and just getting stronger, running roughshod on the entire roster. So I think you know that that personally was a kind of a misstep, but the way they did it, I know you don't really want a guy like Jeff Cobb coming in and just picking apart the bones, but considering the fact that Jericho announced him as being basically a new member of the inner circle in a in a promo earlier in the night i was okay with the way it ended gotcha yeah my 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 big issue was it was basically you know you and i know who jeff cobb is so it didn't matter to us as far as you know what he did to moxley at the end but how many of the national television audience don't know who jeff cobb is you know and and so i so to me like yeah we got to see his great finishing move there but I would, but I would have loved to see, you know, his first time coming out be more impressive than beating up a, a guy who just got punked by somebody else. You know, they were kind of treated, they were kind of treating him like he was oh, a and that was... superstar that's nationally known, and he really isn't at this point in his career. No, he's not. But I, I felt like the announcers really did a good job of getting him over. Not only, and I felt like Jericho did too in his interview, talking about you know his accomplishments and. Um, I, I was a little disappointed we got a mini version of the tour of the islands. I would have rather had the full version where he throws them into the rope and everything, but uh, I was okay. I was okay with it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great to see Jeff Cobb there. And, you know, I, I don't believe he's actually signed with, with, with AEW. And I think he's still, I think he's still a free agent, but it's pretty awesome that he's there at all. God, if Jeff he's Cobb a free agent and ring of honor, let him go. It, but if he's a free agent and, and Ring of Honor let another one of their guys go, I, I just more kudos, I guess, to uh, to Marty Skrull for going down with the ship. Because if they if they had a chance to re-sign a Jeff Cobb and you know they they let him walk like they did with Punishment Martinez, like they did with all the well the the AEW guys, you really couldn't. They really had no control over those guys those guys were going because they had their own thing starting but if you look at all the names ring of honor is just let walk away over the last two years it's really sad yeah it is i mean it's not even the last two years it's over the last how many years of their existence you know but, but well i, mean, I felt like, like I, they had a control when when the bucks when the bucks resigned and I, I felt like they had control where some some guys were re-signing, but they've had so much young young talent that's gone on, and you know, 
some places they thrived, other other of them haven't. But like Punishment Martinez was a huge, huge loss for them. And you had Keith Lee before that that was a huge loss for them and <clears throat> so many others You know, with Adam Cole and basically all of Undisputed Era and just they've lost so many people over the last, especially four years, who are young, talented guys that they could have built their entire uh, the entire company around. And they just keep losing them. And now to see somebody like Jeff Cobb go too? Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, I mean they're down they're down to the Briscoes and Skrull and a heel Jonathan Gresham and Shane Taylor. Otherwise I have no interest in anybody in that company. And that sucks because I was really starting like Matt uh Matt Haskins and uh, um and Flip Flip Gordon Mark Haskins, yeah, and Flip Gordon and even a part of me was starting like hot sauce and uh, Bandito is amazing. Dragon Lee is another one. Well, real Lee is another one that's amazing, but I just, they're not enough to draw me in. You know, you know, I like, I love Marlon Reed and, and Brian Pillman. That's not enough to make me watch MLW either. <laughs> I love Nick Aldis. It's not enough to make me watch NWA. There's almost so much, there's almost so much wrestling. I mean, hell if AJ is, <clears throat> Hell, if AJ Styles wasn't enough to make me watch WWE, none of these guys are even going to compare. That is another excellent point. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I really like what what um, what they're doing with with AEW right now. You know, I, I love the promo once again by Pac. Um, you know, I, I love that they're doing these firsts. Um, you know, giving kind of giving away from free on national television to give people a chance to. You know, to watch the brand, to get used to the brand, to like the brand. We we had, we had the first cage match in the history of the promotion coming up tomorrow night, and then a week from then a week from tomorrow night, we've got the first ever Iron Man match for the brand. And you know, I I've been pretty outspoken in the in not liking the one hour long or the half an hour long Iron Man matches, but I think if you're going to do it on a TV show, it makes a lot more sense than doing it doing it on a pay per view. You know, you don't want, you don't want half of your two hour show you can. to be one match. The only the only time I didn't mind a thirty minute match on a pay per view was when it was Sasha and Bailey. I felt like that was an okay Iron Man match, but otherwise, you're, I'm right there with you. An Iron Man match is an hour long, but if you're going to do it on TV, thirty minutes is fine. Agreed. And you know, with, with these but guys, I'm I, 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 more than two out of two. Then it's probably going to end up being basically basically a three fall match. Or it'll probably end up being. You know, one one with a tie. That's Roderick Strong. This, or no, not Roderick Strong, but uh, Eddie Edwards and Christopher Daniels. It one <laughs> <laughs> one have one guy bleeding, so they can't continue. But I, I you know, as and this as, is as another thing. It, we, Jonathan we, Gresham and, and Jay Lethal, it'll be happy. <clears throat> oh dear God! Worst match ever. <laughs> that. The second worst match ever, because that uh, Vampiro Crazy Steve match was the worst match ever. This was the second. That was the second worst match. But anyway, um, you know, we we talked about at you know the beginning of this year how we never gave Pac enough credit last year when it came to talking about wrestler of the year, and part of me really feels like we're not doing it, doing it again. Because when you and I talked about our you know the guys that are in the top of our. Um, you know, top five, top ten, whatever, so far this year, his name wasn't mentioned. But again, 
every time he's gone out, he's put on a classic match. It, it just a phenomenal match against whoever it is. You know, he had that great one against Darby Allen. He had a great one against Moxley. He had um, he, he, every time he's out, and then he has these amazing promos in between his matches. His match against Moxley was not great. I, when you look at the no, but it was it was it wasn't for a TV match. It wasn't horrible. It was also on a boat. You got to yeah, give him a little you credit. Were, they were, were right, on a boat. Was, so I'm not going <laughs> to let you get away with saying it was great. All right. Well, it was good for being on a boat. Let's put let's put it that way. Um, but regardless, he's had he's had great matches time and time again. He's had great promo work. I I would put him right up at the you know top spot up there with Osprey so far this year, because really Osprey Osprey is untouchable in the ring, but we haven't really seen the whole promo work out of Osprey, which we're not going to get in New Japan. Pack yeah, is giving us great matches and great promos. Wrestler in that in that way, but you know I mean to me I'm I'm looking more at what I'm what I'm seeing in the ring when I'm when I'm talking about wrestler of the year. Oh, and right so, now, so, so, so there's nobody there's nobody above Osprey in that. Yeah, there's nobody above Osprey in that um, in that sense sense of the word. But you know, Osprey, White, and probably Pack for me would be my top three right now. And speaking of Will Osprey, hard pressed to find anybody different. Speaking of Will Osprey, congratulations, Will, for being the for being the NJ being the brand new NJPW British Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, I'm really disappointed I didn't get to see that match. I am too. And I and I and I, I looked and everywhere. I, for it. I looked and, everywhere. And for I did purposely it. say NJPW British Heavyweight Champion because sure, it technically is the RPW title, but RPW is basically just like a minor league for NJPW these days. Is are is Saber and um, Suzuki still the tag team champions there? I don't believe so because I'm pretty sure Kevin Kelly called them the former champions at Wrestle Kingdom. Okay. Okay, I didn't. It's possible. I, I guess I didn't hear that. All I know is that the last time I was able to actually watch a Reb Pro show um, was an amazing promo cut by ZSJ, which is another... It, that's one thing I, that bothers me about New Japan is you've got some of these guys that are just absolutely astonishing on the mic. Like ZSJ, like um, it, uh, Naito is another guy who I've heard some of his promos, and they're, even though they're not in English, I'm just mesmerized by what the guy's saying. Um, I just wish that we had they had a little more promo work with them, but I kind of get it. I get why they don't because they they come off more as like a real wrestling or as a real sports product than anywhere in the United States does. And that's and that's actually it's kind of funny that you that you mentioned that because I actually had a meeting with our vice president of dental today and I talked about how um, I sometimes stay up late to watch New Japan you know pro wrestling and she asked well why why do you prefer that to you know to something like WWE and I said basically that you know that it's more realistic it's presented more like a sport so well yeah and it's it's actually they let the they let the talented people be talented. That that's the main reason I enjoy it. That's also the reason why I enjoy AEW too, is because they let the talented people be really, really talented in the ring. Um, and 
AEW brings more of a an American style to it, where they also allow them to be talented on the mic. Indeed, they do. That you know, and that tag match, I, I this is the kind of um, hangman uh, that I want to see is what we saw in this tag match, where he's not feuding with any of his partners and any of the elite or any of that. It's just him being being him and letting Kenny be Kenny. Uh, I still think their finisher is probably one of the best out there with that uh, buckshot lariat V trigger combo. Yeah, I mean it's basically a and so happy using awesome offensive moves instead of chairs. And it was so nice not to see the same SCU match we've seen every week since the beginning of the year. Yeah, and that's 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 very true as well. You know, and and this because this one. It was really was Kazarian was the star for the team rather than um, yep rather than uh, Sky Sky um, you know and and I and I said this before I'm going to say it again here you know I I love what they're doing with Hangman Page right now you know I love his current character I love that he's basically become the embodiment of that old Stone Cold Steve Austin phrase which was you know arrive raise hell leave you know he he doesn't care about right. You know, you know, the, you know. Once the match is over, he's going to go through the crowd. He's going to grab a drink. He's going to do his thing, and you know, he'll catch back up with his boy later on. But once that match is over, he's out of there, and he's going to make his own way out of there through the crowd. So, yeah, I, so I, I, I like, I like his character too. I, I really like his character too, and I like the way the way that he plays off Kenny. I think he and Kenny make a great team. Um, I, I. Miss seeing Kenny as a singles wrestler, but we still get to see Kenny Omega every single week on TV. That's something that I still, and I said this last year, um, when AWW started up and we had that you know run out of Kenny to begin the begin their t- um, TV time. Mm-hmm. But people in America are finally starting to get to see what you and I have have been bragging about for the last what four years. Is there I, to be able to see a guy of Kenny Omega's talent every single week? People should relish that because, regardless should. of whatever slump they say he's on, regardless of whatever you know, their whatever gimmick they're playing right now, when you watch that guy in the ring, even in a uh, tag match, it's pure poetry. Everything he does means something. It's it's. I haven't seen anybody that's been that since probably Kurt Angle uh, when he first went to TNA. That's that precise and that smooth in the ring where everything he does means something, even if it's just like um, he just shakes his head. Every movement that he does is either foreshadowing or means something. And it's a, such a rare treat to watch. Yeah, and, and I see what you're saying about you know about you know wishing he was a, he was a, a single star, but but to me it's really more that I'm looking forward to him becoming a single star again, and I'm just enjoying what he's doing right now. You know, because this it's is, impossible this, not to. Because really, what he's doing right now, in a sense, is what he wanted to do when he was the NJ, NJPW, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. You know, I mean, 
um, you know, they went to him, you know, they went to him and he said, well, I really want to, I want really want to be in this, in my, in my team with Ibushi. And they're like, well, well, we really want to book you as the world champion. He, he kind of like took a bullet for them and then eventually left after he, after he dropped the strap. But I mean, he, he's kind of doing now with Paige what he wanted to do a year and a half ago with Ibushi. So, you know, I'm kind of happy for him that he's, that he's, that he's able to take a little bit of a backseat to have some fun in a tag team. And then, you know, at, at some point he'll get, he'll get back to the top where he's at the top of their promotion as a single star. But, you know, just let, you know, just let Kenny's talent shine through no matter what he's doing. Cause he's, he can do anything in the professional wrestling. Do you know the other thing that Kenny's doing that isn't really getting probably the credit it deserves ever since AEW started, they've been trying to elevate hangman page to that level where he's believable against a guy like Chris Jericho. They couldn't do it. Just his tag team and association and being in well, these stellar let's be matches. A little bit fair about that. They, one, reason, one reason they couldn't do it is because Pack wasn't able. wasn't They weren't able to get to get Pack on board for that first pay per view. Right. Well, and that's true. And he ended up being in that battle royal, and it just it wasn't a, it wasn't well done. But there's really not much they could have done, I guess. But right. the reality is, is he he is now by association of being in there and you, whether whether they continue this storyline of him losing his guts or you know with Kenny uh or not he's still in there with with the best wrestler on the planet and it's elevating him in a way that I don't think that they they could have done without having him in this tag team agreed you know you know Kenny's being used the way he should be used right now um, Hangman's getting over like crazy, and you know we'll we'll see where the storyline goes. But I mean, eventually, you know this is this is going to you know put both guys right back in that you know in that singles top role, in my opinion. You know, at some point, yeah, they'll, the they'll both become up at some point. You know, Pack will you know um, Page will either beat Omega or come very close to beating him and get the rub from or almost beating you know the the best professional wrestler on the planet. And he's getting that rub. He's getting that rub just for by, by being in a tag team and holding his own. I mean, he's in there. He, it's not it, like, like we've been watching SCU for the last you know two, three years, and Scorpio Sky has always been the focal point. You know, even though Frankie Kazarian is there and more talented, Scorpio Sky has been getting the focal point. There, we're in a tag team now where Kenny is so good at what he does. And he gets love constantly from the crowd and from the announcers, but he's really being overshadowed by Hangman Page. That's going to elevate Page in a way that that nothing else could. They're being portrayed as two guys on the same level, and when you're being portrayed as somebody on the same level as Kenny Omega, with how great Kenny Omega is, that it's just like I, I bring it back to Kurt Angle. Everybody that was ever associated with Kurt Angle was elevated because of it. Whether it was as an opponent or a partner, I mean, you look at all the people. Brock Lesnar is a freak of nature. Brock Lesnar, I don't think, would have been anything more than a freak of nature had it not been for his run in O2 with Kurt Angle. A freak of nature. Interesting way to phrase it. Well, that. he is. Well, he, I mean, he is, he's just is, but Excellent. you look at it, 
you look at Haas and Benjamin, they benefited. Uh, Jericho benefited. And Jericho is now at that level where he's able to, to elevate other people. To, well, he has been for years. You don't get but, to talk about Haas and Benjamin tonight. You, you, <clears throat> had your, you had your chance to talk about Haas and Benjamin tonight, and you decided not to watch the show we were going to cover. It's not that I decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> my, my life decided to take it away from me is what the problem was. I watched half of it. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Which, which actually made me really, really happy because um, I had just gotten done watching the NXT main event. Um, and I immediately turned on uh, Honor Takes Center Stage Night 2. And the first match I got was a young Adam Cole. And then the third match I got was a very young Tommaso Ciampa. And it was really interesting to watch those two right after I watched what they are today. I bet it was. It was it was something that it it was just like it was it was a lot of fun. It was something that I would recommend to anybody is to do something like that. Go back and you know watch a match of of guys that we see today, and then go back to ten years, ten, eleven years ago, nine years ago, whatever it was, and watch them when they were just young pups. Especially those two guys in particular, because I because you they are unrecognizable. You know, if if you if you go back. And, you know, if, if the announcers weren't there, if the announcement wasn't made who these guys were, if you watched Adam Cole in 2011, you watched Tommaso Ciampa in 2011, you would have, you would have no idea they're the same guys. Ciampa especially. Ciampa is a completely, he's got a different body. He's got, you know, he's got hair and on his top of his head, not on his face. Um, he doesn't even wrestle the same. Adam Cole, you still see a little bit of what Adam Cole is now. He does still have some of the mannerisms, but Champa is a completely different person. Yeah, I mean, eventually you might you might look at it and go, "Oh, wait, wait, is is that Adam Cole?" You know, if, you know, a bit into the match. But I mean, if you just actually, but I mean, I'm saying like if you just like looking at at his look body at their style features, and his yeah. and he's not he does not look at the same guy at all. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't look like the it, and it must have been like two three years later because it was about his Bullet Club days that he started to become what we see now. Yeah. But yeah, he he's not recognizable when you just look at him. Champa, there's nothing about Champa other than his name. I he he wrestles completely different styles. He doesn't have a signature move yet. He doesn't um you know, he doesn't have the same mannerisms. He's got he's more vocal, which is weird. Um he's got hair on the top of his head and nothing on his face. It's just he's a completely different looking guy. Inside the ring and out. Absolutely. So, but, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Do you want to tell everybody where they, where they can listen to us at? Yeah, guys, you're currently, hopefully, listening to us on both Spreaker and LordsOfPainRadio.net and also YouTube. Um, be sure to hit the subscribe button, like button, notification bell, because we do this live thing on, on YouTube a minimum of twice a week. Uh, tonight for Kingdom of Honor, tomorrow night for Dynamite After Dark, immediately following AEW's Dynamite on TNT. And um, check out our Patreon page. Uh, we won't be having a show this week, but we do put one up weekly um, that's exclusive for Patreon members. That's patreon.com slash kingdomofhonor. And our um, also be sure to check out our Twitters. I'm at Regi Co-op. He's at Zadman LOP. Use hashtag KOH and hashtag DAD for everything we put up there. Wow, that's probably the quickest you've ever done that. Crazy. 
I'm getting it down, finally. Make sure you stay tuned to all the other Lohi Radio shows. Tomorrow night, we'll be back with you with Dynamite After Dark. On Thursday is MCLP Radio Adventure. On Friday is NWA Power, the Legacy Series. And we'll be back with you next Tuesday with more Kingdom of Honor, but I have no idea what we're covering. I'm not sure what's, what's going on in the wrestling world this coming week, actually. So we'll, we'll figure it out. Oh, that'll be that'll be an interesting show. Maybe we can do like we do all the time and not talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> and be really distracted the whole time. Well, you especially <laughs> will be. Um, all right, yeah, that's true. That's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying his usual stick of. You know what? Now I'm going to change it. You know, <laughs> adios. Well, you bitched last night about me messing up your usual stick. You know what? Adios. That's what I'm saying now. It's now adios. No more goodbye for any of you. It's adios. <laughs> G1 Climax 27. Goodbye. And good. Night. Bang.